Guys, welcome to this bonus episode of Pulp Kitchen. Thank you very much for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about a spoilers for... A spoilers? A spoilers for... All of Us Strangers. Yes. If you haven't seen the film, this is a spoiler warning, please don't uh, listen to this if you haven't yet. I just reviewed it on the main episode and George also reviewed it a few weeks ago. Yes. Both gave it a huge thumbs up. We really enjoyed the film. Absolutely. brilliant. And we're also going to be doing uh, a review of Nyad, which came out a few months ago, but is being Oscar nominated for Annette Benny's performance in it. And I've been, been seen it, so I'll do a little review of that for you. Also... We know Masters of the Air is out at the moment. Neither of us has had a chance to really see it. You no, tried, but you I, were I tried, Ill. but I was sick. But what I have done is I've rewatched Band of Brothers, right. and I'd like to just give you a little bit about that as well. So we do all of us strangers, Nyad, and a little bit of Band Coming of Brothers. Coming a real sort of like World War II dad. Uh, if, yeah. I'll get on to that, actually. Yeah. That's quite important. But let's first talk about all of us strangers. So just briefly, if you're just joining us now, we did review it in the main episode, but all of us strangers is the new film directed by Andrew Haig, starring Andrew Scott, Paul Meskell, Jamie Bell, Claire Foy. It's all about... A character called Adam who is an isolated gay screenwriter who gazes lustfully out into London mm. and he's very alone and he's trying to write find inspiration and two things happen to him one of which is developing a new relationship with his neighbor Paul Meskel played by Paul Meskel um, and simultaneously he goes back to his family home in Croydon where he grew up and he goes to visit his parents who died when he was 12 years old but he is seeing them as they were right before they died at the same age. And he is basically getting to speak to them, talk to them, understand them. It's all about an identity of who you are, understanding his gay identity, trying to reconcile unsaid things between him and his parents, at the same time trying to understand a new relationship with Paul Meskel. It's deeply sad. Mm. It's deeply heartbreaking, very cathartic, very intense. It's beautiful. And we just want to talk briefly about some of the plot details. One of the main things in play is that in the very first time Paul, uh, uh, sorry, Adam and Harry, Harry meet, uh, Harry is very, very drunk and he's holding this particular bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Um, and he goes to see him, almost like he's got a sort of bit of liquid courage to mm. go and approach this guy uh, instead of asking if he wants to essentially come in and, yeah. and, and hang out. And originally, Andrew Scott rejects him and he's just not quite in the right headspace for it and turns him down and Paul Meskel kind of just sort of goes away. But it comes back to him and they eventually develop this sort of cute yeah. sexual relationship. Whilst that's happening... You never get the sense that what's happening with the parents is real, but definitely not real and happening in his head. And one time he actually tries to bring Harry to go and see mm. the parents. And Harry sort of almost sees the parents, but mm. not quite. and gives you a sort of hint that yeah. there's a sort of sixth sense thing, thing going mm. on where like they sort of exist in this purgatory yeah. beyond life. Um, but later, what, what's revealed to us is that uh, you know, he comes home to go and find Paul Meskel for the first time. Having, his, had, a, having had this reconciliation with his parents, actually this beautiful sort of freeing moment of go and be happy. He goes to this cafe and he realises that their time has basically come to an end. The parents now have to move on. They understand how they, that they've died. They've asked him, you know, did it hurt? Was it yeah. quick? Um, and they've essentially sort of moved on. And he, devastating scene. D- devastating scene. And he goes back to try and find this new relationship. But what he realises is that... Uh, Adam Harry has killed himself with I think it's like with drugs and with alcohol and he's lying dead on the bed but what he realizes is that or what the audience realizes is that Harry is wearing the same cardigan that he wore the first night he came yeah. to see him and he's drinking the same bottle of alcohol the yeah. first night he came to see him and it's revealed to the audience that actually this relationship existed entirely in his own head in an in-between reality state and that nothing you ever actually saw really happened and that that night 
never yeah. really moved on. So f- first of all, I would say, I, I wouldn't technically say he killed himself because that implies intent. I think it was a t- accidental. Uh, oh, could yeah, have been, oh, yeah. yeah, sorry. I would say it was just an accidental. Uh, a very sort of a destructive, unhealthy behavior yeah. leading towards a death. Yeah, that's true. So the thing is about that, what was interesting about the ending, and I, what I found hard is that I obviously saw that film and I had no one to talk to about it. And the ending, I think people, a lot of people have some questions about it. Just to <coughs> clarify, because I, when it f- sort of first revealed itself, I was like, how do I feel about this? And I've given more time and I feel much more comfortable with it. But I think the film is deliberately elusive about, and to its strength, about where the kind of existence of the parents and Harry kind of sits. Yeah. When I read it the first time, the, f- the film kind of said to me that it, as he is a writer there is an element of the imagination. This is kind of like imagined therapy yeah. for him. But I'm realizing now that I actually do think it's much more about, uh, they are spirits, ghosts, and it's much more of a yeah. paranormal thing. Because if he was artificial, if he was uh, imagined, as soon as Harry, as soon as Adam realizes that Harry is is dead and, and it's not been real, then he, he wouldn't have had been able to communicate with him afterwards. And I think because the, 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 of that last shot, that scene of them on the bed together, that means much more when in you realize shape. that. Yeah, it, when, that means much more when you realize that uh, Harry is a, a lost spirit wandering around, a bit like his parents were. Yeah. So, I I was able to reconcile that better. I also think that it works more. It, it, it's this brilliant idea that Adam, who's now open to loving other people, but like sees that other people are still victims of loneliness, and like he will care for him. And there's this really interesting motif of quoting not just using the power of love by frankie goes to hollywood but quoting the specific line which is uh i'll protect you from the hooded claw keep the vampires from your door and harry says it to adam when he first sees him and then adam says it to harry Mm. uh, on the bed at the end and it's and then the song plays out and it's i i i really like that idea of adam being open be like it's like i understand uh, it's too late for you. I've lost you, but I, I will protect you and I'll, I'll look after you. And it's quite powerful. I, I really wanted a happier ending. Yes. Like, not as a critique. I was just so sad. And I, I loved the, 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 the ending point he got to with his parents. Yeah. Even though it wasn't a, it, none of the interactions were perfect, yeah. they were enough. Yeah. And for him to sort of better understand who they were, even if he made it up in his own head, which you'd have to do if, if your parents died, you would have to imagine what conversations they had. And to have them move on and, and, and then he goes and finds Harry Harry dead and that second gut punch when he comes back into the living room and sees what's now sort of a projection of Harry well you're you're saying a projection I think it's a spirit yeah yeah, spirit spirit, whatever whatever we're calling it yeah like that version and him also being upset and we're like I'm like he's he, he's been alone this whole film yeah. and now he's gonna end it still alone yeah um but yes but ready to be I suppose I don't know if you it is thematically but if you look at the way i guess he is with paul mescal sorry with harry let's keep calling him harry yeah. when he first when he first opens the door and he's so shy yeah and look where he is at the end yeah and it's like it's almost like the pain of realizing that he's lost to harry reminds him that he can't be like this anymore because he's going to lose more people that he cares about and yeah. he needs to now go into life like being caring and careful i was wondering if uh, the way in which the final shot ends which is sort of the stars moving towards yeah. sort of the beds they, they leave direct the beds. if i may just say i think that is a direct reference to a film called mysterious skin like it's it's shot uh, for shot exactly the same it's it's yeah. it's a great film and they're kind of thematically similar but i was like that did I, you think yeah. that the way that was shot almost suggests that uh adam is also dead dying or moving on to a higher plane 
because they sort of float above yeah. the body into the stars. He doesn't necessarily like depart Harry. He very much sits with him in that state. I, I could just be deducing it, but he might not be able to actually live in this world. Well, you, well, you think also Harry's been... Uh, so you think Adam's been dead this whole time? Uh, mm, oh, that's a really good theory, actually, because he's never really anywhere. Yeah. And is... Uh, yeah. Well, he died long ago somehow, somewhere un- undisclosed... Yeah, because the whole there's never really a good sense of connection to where he is in yeah. in London or in that tower block. They are just like a series of rooms. I think I I, I don't know. You're right. The, the kind of supernova supernatural ending yeah. with the stars. I read that to be more like like a galaxy of stars. Yeah. You're full of individual brilliant brightness and everyone. But they are if if you look at it the wrong way, isolated, lonely people. Yeah. But they are brilliant people, and you will lose. Th- you will lose brilliant people and beautiful people um, if you if you don't reach out and look after them. These stars yeah. will fade away, and you know the, the night will become blacker. Uh, that's what I kind of took from it. It's got it, it, it's, so, I, it, it's, it's so deliberately it's deliberately uh, obscure in that. And, and I think doesn't need to be more specific to work. No, no, I think you're I just think left with a very strong works. feeling of this is what this is what we should do with life. <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I mean I I did read somewhere I think I said this before which is like it is a film uh, for me the film is about love ultimately. But that's what the film is about. I mean it's yeah. about lots of things but like ultimately when you actually the common denominator all of it, as well. the, it's about the power, power of, of love. love. Yeah. And it, and then it is a film in which the power of love plays, plays. just in case <laughs> you didn't know. And they quote the power of love. So I'm yeah. like I I do get it. But but uh, the film really is about love. Um I just really shipped them as a couple going forward. I'm like, yes, I, I really shipped thought, them. Yeah. You know, you ship them. a couple. You've heard that. Nope. If you ship a couple, well, you, you like, like want like, them to get together. Well, like, like, sh- like you've, you, you, you like want to send them on their journey. Oh, I ship them. Oh, I don't. Yeah, it could be. You, you've, I'm, I'm, you've never, n- heard, of never that. heard of that. You, I ship them as a couple. Anyway, <laughs> I was like really happy. I really thought they had a really beautiful yeah. relationship. It was very tender and a bit, and a bit slow, but they really felt, I really felt like they worked for each other. Yeah, and I thought, oh, He'll have this all this stuff with his parents, yeah. get through his demons, and then he'll like find this. Paul Westwood clearly has some demons he needs to work out. Yeah, and I, but I guess that's it. It's like it's not like you solve the trauma in your past and everything's done. It's like you have to no. you have to work hard in the present to make connections and stay with people. Anyway, I want to read another email we got that we didn't read out in, a, in an easier film. He would have like gone on a plane to New York and landed there and got yeah, a job at the got a job at the magazine but house. Would this film have had the power it has had with such a clean ending? I don't, a clean, happy ending? I don't know. Yeah. Katie writes in about all of us strangers. And yeah, she it's says, true. Sorry. If they had just ended up together holding hands in the park. Is that, it's not as good as film, is no, it? That's yeah. the thing. I'm, I'm yeah, happy yeah. to be, I'm, I'm happy for my heart to be jerked around. Yeah. Or as Katie says in this email, my heart is no longer. Hi gents, I'm new into the podcasting world, but after being targeted on Instagram with videos of your games, which are brilliant by the way, oh, I have stayed, I have stayed. In brackets, the mix of intellectual debating and conversation, also fun-filled games, is a brilliant sweet spot. Thank you. Thank you. I decided this this week that I wanted to get out and go to the cinema more. Um, something I used to do a few times as a kid, but honestly, I've only been twice to the cinema since COVID and fell, as- and fell asleep during both. Okay. Having a complicated relationship with anxiety and mental health makes it hard to want to go out and watch something, but hearing your enthusiasm in your podcast made me want to. Mm-hmm. I've never been on the hype with something before. Still haven't seen Barbie or normal people, but I had a visceral want, read, need to see all of us strangers. And your review was 100% on the nail, an emotionally charged performance by the whole cast. A sad reality is that all the characters of Adam and Harry have stark relatability. Uh, is that all the characters of... All the characters of Adam and Harry... 
I'm going to read that line again. I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure how, how it's phrased, but a sad reality is that all the characters of Adam and Harry have a stark relatability, whether it's through conversations we yeah. wish we had, exploring love before it was lost, sexuality, isolation, feeling left out, and dreaming about what it could have been. The common themes and links are great throughout. It took me a little while to gather the vampire by the door link to the power of love, yeah. but, th- but that acts as a great silver thread. They managed to do what last Christmas did, but in my opinion, with less cheese and more grace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> did <laughs> so it's last christmas but better <laughs> last christmas which is a terrible film yeah that is so spot on yeah That's so funny uh, I, I like that harry always despite being very I'm at the door and yeah. I'm sort of this new interest. He, he did always feel like a real person to absolutely me. i think that's yeah. a really hard balance because, to strike but it's because it's telling because he it's it, 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 it mm. because adam's adam is as substantial as a character as harry in the sense that yeah it's not like we we're something like last christmas like emilia clark's doing everything and then obviously this weird presence but then like adam scott (laughs) andrew scott playing adam as a character is so ghost-like in himself yes and so insubstantial because he's so lonely it creates this nice parity yeah anyway um uh less to be said um i did not fall asleep once all the nominations are well deserved, and I'm also sad to see it wasn't list, wasn't on the list of the Oscars. Nor Andrews got nominated for a BAFTA. I look forward to the next step, Katie. P.S. I would like to clarify: I do watch film. However, the comfort and I, however I enjoy the comfort and ease of. I would like to. There's a couple of letters missing here. I'm just trying to get through it. I would like to clarify that I do watch films. However, I enjoy the comfort and ease of streaming services. However, I now understand what it is meant when people say films should be watched in a cinema. There is a nice unspoken connection between you and the rest of the audience when you are all sniffing along to a film while admiring the cast talent, which is exactly what you said. Mumbling and sobbing. Exactly the same thing. I found it quite funny, actually. Like it, just yeah, a little yeah. bit. Well, just like, well, just I, I hearing so many people sob, and I'm also really sad. And I, I am still sad, but I'm always like, this is quite funny. Everyone's just like sobbing. Uh, written whilst trying to pull myself together after leaving my emotional dignity in the cinema. So it's nice not just about the power of love; it's about the power of cinema. Nice little triple bill with uh, six cents and the last Christmas. And this. <laughs> yeah, the best, get, the best of the three. Get scared, just sort of bored, yeah, and, and desperate, and then deeply sad. Um, so that sense is sad as well, I guess. It is, yeah. Um, anyway, so those are our thoughts on. Um, I think um, the, the the cinema experience for a really long time. I know you just talked about sort of anxieties about the cinema and sort of how, how we framed it. It has been like miscommunicated throughout pop culture in the years as like a social experience mm. when it's not that. No, it is a it is not a social experience. You obviously can go, and there are like very social films. Like Barbie this year was an amazing yeah. experience. Like going to see. Avengers is always going to be an amazing social experience, but that's not what it is. No. And when you, when you start going by yourself, if you have gone by yourself, you're realizing like this is not a social thing at all. It's very much like experiencing yes. art in a, in a dark you're being room alone together. It's paradoxical, but it works. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it, you go and it's an ego death. And and also the chances remove, are sorry, yeah. totally yeah. The chances are some of the first times you went to the cinema were to see a young fun film with your family or friends yes. that was inherently social. But as I think you're taste in cinema develops and as you see in more and more films it does really really change and i think people who are disliking the cinema because of the people element or the social element i would say like the more and more you go i think the less and less it is that yeah and more and more enjoy going by yourself 
Yeah, oh, just, it's uh, great. Yeah, it's nice. And e- very functional. We've talked about it before. And when I say like ego death, it's like I, in the same way that like going to the gym can like clear your mind and you just, like, it's just you. Even, yeah. It, it's, it's a bit like going to the gym in the sense that you are there with other people, yeah. but, it, but you're doing your own thing. Totally. Like, I like running yes. with other people sometimes, yes. but I almost like very, ha- sometimes need to just yeah. go and, and run myself at my yeah. own pace. And, and you go to the cinema and you, whatever you're saying, good or bad, you surrender yourself, your ego is, de- your identity is void because you're in a black dark room watching light on a screen and then you come out and you're, you're yourself again. You've given time away. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're right. It has been missold and miscommunicated. Yeah. And lastly, before we wrap all of us strangers, uh, this email from Hannah who says, Dear James and George, I found your podcast just a few weeks ago and I'm already obsessed. Thanks for your hard work, entertainment and poignant thoughts. I finally got the chance to see all of us strangers last week and absolutely loved it. I can't stop thinking about it. However, I have two thoughts. Although the ending was beautiful and I was crying like a maniac like the rest of the audience, I almost felt that it became too heartbreaking. I completely agree with George's review and I also love sad films, films that deeply touch me. Mm. But I also think that a sad film becomes so much better if you end it on a note that is slightly hopeful or at least bittersweet. I also want to hug Adam, Andrew Scott, and would have preferred to see him find strength in himself, get some sort of closure or meet someone alive to love. (laughs) Not a happy ending, but at least something. Well, I do actually think that is the ending. I do think that he has found strength in himself. I do think that he's got some sort of closure and he has met someone. That person just hasn't been alive. So he's not just killed himself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway, love the film. Just the thought. And please let me know what you guys think of the ending in a spoiler cast. Well, that's what we've just done. And number two, Andrew Scott was phenomenal. And so vulnerable in the film. How on earth did he yeah. not get nominated for a BAFTA? Please robbed. let me know what you think of the BAFTAs and award shows in general. We just mentioned it. Um, best wishes from Hannah in Amsterdam. I mean, that's what we said. Like, is it too? Is it? Is it sad because it's more, more powerful as an ending? But there you go. Brilliant stuff. So anyway, that was all of us strangers. That was our spoiler review. Really great to have such great responses from people. We loved it too, and we continue. I'm sure we'll get more correspondence from people about it. Um, but let's talk about two other things now. Let's talk about Nyad and Band of Brothers. So let's do Nyad, which is a film that came out a couple of months ago on Netflix, but has been uh, doing the rounds awards-wise because Annette Bening and Jodie Foster have both been getting nominations. And Annette Bening has been nominated for uh, Best Actress at the Oscars this Mm -hmm. year. And I thought, right, time to fill in some blanks. Yeah, Let's go and watch Nyad. And I really enjoyed Nyad. I think it's a really solid... um, sports biopic if you will it's pretty straightforward but it is elevated by a few things Nyad Greek so very good question James and I'm glad you interrupted me because I was about to go into my review without telling anyone what the story was (laughs) so um Nyad is Diana Nyad a a a real life person this is based on a true story Diana Nyad is a swimmer who made a name for herself when she was in her 20s in the 1980s by swimming extreme lengths and for extreme durations trailer, yeah. she swam around manhattan island for, for it took her like eight hours she did 24 hour swims she did extreme lengths and it culminated um when she was 28 in a swim that she wanted to do from cuba to florida she was obsessed with this idea of cuba oh. and it would take 48 hours to do a 48 hours continuous swim over an incredibly difficult treacherous stretch of water wow. with violent currents and, and only at like a certain period of time of a year that you could do it and she said in the 80s when she was going to do it she was like this is my last swim uh, and this is what i'm going to do she attempted that swim and it was not successful she had to she had to pull out and then she swam no more and she then had a very successful 30-year career as a sports correspondent for i think nbc right we then meet it's it, the, the film cuts forward to 2010 and we meet uh, Nyad, Diana Nyad, 
on her 60th birthday. And she's very, very good friends with uh, Bonnie, played by Jodie Foster. Foster. They're incredibly active, um, social, and um, as it's her 60th birthday, uh, Diana Nyad is thinking more and more about her role, her life, and accomplishments that she hasn't achieved. And she is kind of haunted by the memory of the fact that she was not able to complete this swim. As well as being haunted by... Uh, some other traumas in her past as well. Something to do with her swimming coach when she was just a teenager. Um, uh, People's expectations of her, her relationship with her father. And Nyad, absolutely, she's been drilled this myth into her about what her name means. Nyad is this Greek name meaning like water nymph. And she she was, uh, from a young age, obsessed with the sea. She has this kind of like, you're absolutely right, you're absolutely Greek. She has this kind of, uh, mythological, self-mythologizing relationship with with her name and with water. Mm. So she sees it very much like destiny. And she says after her 60th birthday, she starts swimming again and she says, I'm going to do the swim. I'm going to do the swim from Cuba to Florida and I'm not going to do it with a shark cage. Because what what they did try before, oh you swim alongside this kind of netting around you to protect you from sharks and jellyfish. And she was like, I'm not doing that. That's an assisted swim. I'm going to do it without that. And she says to Bonnie, Jodie Foster, I need you to be my coach. I want you to do this. And she gathers together a sort of a ragtag team of people who are doing it for free because funny, not a lot of people wanted to sponsor a, a 60, 61-year-old woman swimming between Cuba and Florida. And she embarks on a, tra- on a regime of training to try and conduct uh, do the Cuba to Florida swim without shark protection, um, without a shark cage. Um, it's a really, it's a really good story. I think it's a really easy, solid watch. And um, even though it, some of it might be a little bit nuts and bolts, it's elevated by a couple of things. First of all, Jodie Foster, uh, Jodie Foster is great, but Annette Benning mm. is, is fantastic. Great performance, deserved nomination. Diana Nyad as a character is really interesting. This is also I like. She's very multidimensional because she, on the one hand, is incredibly passionate and headstrong and determined, but she's also difficult, stubborn. Um, illogical, has this kind of vain self-mythologizing thing about her where she thinks it's her destiny and it's perfectly counterbalanced with Jodie Foster as Bonnie who brings her back down to earth and says, you know, you're not being realistic and it's this great tonic to who Diana Nyad is. But also Diana Nyad as a character, it was great seeing a character whose strengths are also her flaws. It, like two sides of the same mm-hmm. coin and I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I think the, I also just really enjoyed the friendship between the two of them. It's a great, it's a great movie about friendship and supporting each other. But like specifically, women over the age, gay women over the age of sixty, and a, and a great friendship between them. Yeah. And I was like, this is really uh, the love and support they have for <coughs> each other. The also, it's a platonic. It's almost like a platonic love story. They yeah. mentioned that they dated like eight a uh, hundred years ago, but they they're deep, deep friends and they're deeply supportive. It's not what defines their, their yeah. It's, it's yeah. Sense. They're not romantically linked, but their platonic love for each other as friends is yeah. really, really impressive. You've got Risa fans as well uh, in it as a as a uh, navigator, and you have also this the, the the actual experience of of swimming is so interesting because she's like I'm swimming for forty eight hours straight. I'm not allowed to touch the boat. I'm not allowed to touch anyone. I am, you know, being fed from the boat. I'm going to hallucinate. I'm going to be swimming for so long. I'm going to have salt water burns. I'm going to there's there's jellyfish in the ocean, and it's it's really a crazy kind of story. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's if you have a bit of time, I think it's definitely worth a watch. And a couple of weeks ago, Bevin wrote in and said that she had been through a breakup, and we were recommending films, right? Yeah. 
And I actually think Naya is a perfect film because it's about someone who uh, is in a rut who decides to lift themselves out and a great empowering story about self-determination and uh, in, a, in the, when everyone, no one believed in her because she was a 60, 60 year old woman mm. uh, to, to, to do this swim. So um, that's Nyad. That's on Netflix. Good performances all around. Give it a watch. You're in a real sort of um, true story of adversity. Yes, I watched it the same day as Society of the Snow. And I was like, yep, here we go. Yep, people didn't believe. And then, oh, yep, here we go. Um, Yes, you can watch. If you've Uh, seen Nyad, let us know your thoughts. I'm sorry, James, I took your bit. Do you want to say it? You say it, go on. (laughs) Go on. If you've seen Nyad, write and tell her at pulkitchenpodcast.com. And finally, we're going to end this episode with Band of Brothers. And let's just do Band of Brothers mm-hmm. quickly, which I, I'm aware is a 23-year-old TV show mm. that a lot of people might not be uh, uh, recalling to the front of their memory, uh, particularly. However, the as box Mark that said, everyone had, and I do have, I have, I should have brought it with me, the metal cased uh, steel concertina steelbook, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but Masters of the Air is out at the moment, and it's heavily advertised as from the producers of the ba- Band of Brothers, Hans Spielberg, Hans Spielberg collab. Very quickly, if you haven't seen uh, Band of Brothers, well, you should have done. Because yeah. as I will go on to explain, I realized for my fourth time watching it oh, damn, that it fourth. is one of the best TV I've series of all once, time. But I, oh, I think it's really. You do a rewatch. Yeah. So, um, very quickly, it follows the true accounts of a company of soldiers called Easy Company in World War II as part of the 101st Airborne Division. They were trained throughout 42 and 43 to. Uh, Paratroop, parachute into the European theatre of conflict in as part of D-Day. So we follow them from training, jumping into D-Day uh, in June 1944, and then their journey from there to the end of the war uh, over, over the course of a year. And, and they encounter very famous campaigns, uh, very famous things. Uh, and the story of Easy Company is very interesting over the course of 10 episodes. You meet a sort of... Camp, uh, a sort of uh, uh, a broad ensemble of characters, each character given different focus throughout the uh, throughout each episode. But the main character is broadly speaking, Damien Lewis's character of uh, Dick Winters. Um, you know, whether it's uh, the after dealing, whether it's Operation Market Garden, whether it's the Battle of the Bulge, France, Belgium, Holland, Germany, and Austria. It's um, a really interesting tale, as we all know. I, I, I first saw it, I think, when it came out. I've seen it four times. I've even read the book. But I wanted to watch it this time because, I don't know, New Year, New Energy, my girlfriend Anna had never seen it. And I was like, okay, it's high time you watch it. Also a, a very early, super prestige, high-budget television yes. show, which very much, we, we take those for granted now. But that at the time would yeah. have been like period detail, very high-budget battle scenes. You didn't really see that on no. the small screen. And it's a, an HBO production. And, the, and it's funny, I remember someone asking once that when you hear the HBO thing what's the theme tune you hear uh, after it yeah. and, I, and i and that was my first experience of hbo so when i hear the oh, of hbo i immediately band hear the band of brothers, brothers oh, theme fine, yeah. this. and i will just say the michael carman score for band of brothers exceptional yeah. the theme tune the opening feature <laughs> is iconic it's fantastic so anyway i rewatched it it's the fourth time and yes Any it's good? still fantastic and i knew that from the first episode going in what i love is it's shot on film it's still at that era when it's just it was made in shot in 2000 and released in 2001 Shot on films, it has that great grainy tactility. It's also color graded to be very mm. brown and green and, and like it's looking at a period photo from yeah. the 40s. Um, it has what great TV series have, which is no filler. 
each episode can stand alone on its own and has great merit and is like the embarking on a new film. Mm. It's uh, so, and, and yeah, not one single filler episode that you think, oh, you could have taken that out. It has 10 solid episodes that each constitute about limited series they're telling one story in it goes and i think this is my main takeaway from it it's like that film that tv series limited series is 23 years old but it is still loved by a lot of people it's ranked uh, on imdb and across the internet as one of the best tv series of all time and it goes to show that if you make something of good quality yeah it will last there's never been a Band of Brothers sequel. I know that they, they did the Pacific and now they do Masters of the Air. But my point is, for a show that only had 10 episodes 23 years ago, there's a reason people still watch it. There's a reason people like me go back yeah. and rewatch it. It's because it's very, very good. You can show it to your kid in 20 years. And totally. It still hold up. And, and yeah. in terms of the quality of the production, it really hasn't dated much at all. There's, yeah. I think uh, I might read an email in a second, which there's like an odd bit of CGI here and there, which might, but you have to really squint to find it. Yeah. Um, excellent, excellent work. Um, there's a thing that like a lot of the best CGI from the 2000s, like not the, yes, wor- the worst yeah. looks bad, but the best CGI from the 2000s looks great today. Yes. Whereas the best CGI from the 2010s doesn't look great yeah. today because there's yeah. a difference in the style. Anyway, I also think that um, there's something, even though it, it holds up well today as well, there's something refreshingly um, straightforward about it that I think wouldn't get made now. And what I mean is that it never seeks to necessarily justify its existence by uh, unpacking or having to completely deconstruct every element about it. My point is, it doesn't need. It's about a, a, a you know an American military unit in the, in the forties. They don't. It doesn't. I think if that story was made now, they'd really unpack everything about oh you know the the, the moral dilemmas and the and the kind of the uh, the the role of military and the, the importance of war. And I think what I quite like about it. Uh, and from the era it was made it was like well we're all we all just know that like this is a really good story and it was during a war that was like incredibly difficult but like uh we we can kind of broadly get behind i think do you understand what i mean like i think now yeah. it'd be really we get this sort of moral gray area and i like the kind of quite clean cut focus of it and that really helps um i think i think i think it's just a really great experience and i just want to read two emails that we got about it that kind of nudged me to watch it for the fourth time the first was from lucy and she said um, we mentioned Band of Brothers recently and she said, I just f- finished re-watching this series a few days ago. I just wanted to sing its praises on the off chance that anyone hasn't seen it. And I do agree, if you haven't seen it, absolutely check it out. It's only 10 episodes, what are you missing? I, I also, sorry, that was my other thing. I thought, I, I was interested to watch it with Anna because I wondered if it was going to be too male, militaristic, aggressive. It was her first yeah. time watching it and it was not that case at all because it's handled so <clears throat> it's handled so sensitively. Yeah. She was like, uh, within three episodes, she was like, I'm going to need to rewatch all of these. They're so great. Mm. Um, anyway, so Lucy continues and says, um, uh, I know you often get asked about your favorite film scores, but the Band of Brothers score is definitely at the top for me. It is so beautiful. I never skip the opening credits. Yeah, absolutely never skip the opening credits for Band of Brothers because I enjoy it so much. And it's final rendition in the last episode during the baseball game not spoiler, um, coupled with the voiceover summarizing what happened is it makes me ball every time. I agree, that's a, such a good scene. Like most people, I hope I'm very anti-war and a lot of war films looking at Hacksaw Ridge tend to be saccharine pro-war and just a bit awkward. Yeah. However, I'm wiping away that final tear after watching Band of Brothers every time thinking, wow, that's what a real hero looks like. And that's what I meant. It yeah. doesn't need to deconstruct about why we need heroes or whatever. It's just it's just recognizing them for what, for, for what they did. Yeah. Um with nuance as well, I like it. They do give they, there's elements about how 
some people aren't cut out for war, how it changes people, how people... Yeah, I just... Yeah, brilliant. For anyone in the UK who wants to watch The Band of Brothers, they're on Now TV or Sky Atlantic. Um, also, I would I agree that Band of Brothers is way better than The Pacific, although The Pacific is worth watching. Um, also, she says, how good does it look considering its age? Uh, yeah. Excluding one scene with pretty ropey CGI, I'm always surprised by how it looks and feels like it could have been shot a couple of years ago. That was from Lucy. And then Max also writes in and said... Um, that over Christmas he watched Band of Brothers and he said, he said it was so funny that it was mentioned in the same episode uh, um, previously. Um, Max also writes in about Band of Brothers and says, uh, it's my first viewing of the series and I've been meaning to watch it for years. It is excellent. I would recommend it to anyone. I realize this is not new news, but I remember the reason I didn't stick about stick with it about 10 years ago and it was because I struggled to, to separate David Schwimmer from friends and yeah. couldn't get over him. So, for a lot of so David Schwimmer plays, uh, he's in it a few times, but predominantly in the first episode as Herbert Sobel, who is their commanding officer, who is this tyrannical, draconian, brutal officer, also slightly inept. Um, and uh, it is slightly strange seeing him in it, but he's great. He is really great in it. Um, but um, as Max says, um, couldn't get over him essentially being Red Ross in military uniform. Also because some of Ross's humor style yeah. is to be like a little bit up there. Oh, yeah. really? We're yeah. doing that? And you know what? Uh, let me finish this one. I'll get to that. It really took me out of the mood and seriousness of the series. Needless to say, I got over it and it was such an incredible and yeah, moving watch. Anyway, good. just some thoughts um, that I wanted to send through. On the David Schrimmer thing, I... Mm. What I feel, I, I, I sympathize with David Trimmer because even at that point when that series was made, Friends hadn't even finished yet. No, it's 04, but, Friends. But we all know Friends now much more than even it was when he was in that series. Yeah. So, yeah. like, he, it, I, I, my point is that as an actor trying to get away from a famous role, mm. normally over time, that role diminishes in size and you yeah. extricate from yourself but now ross is so much bigger david schwimmer so yeah and so sometimes that can reflect poorly on his performance but actually he's really great in it he's there also is, great in the people versus oj he's a good actor yeah, he's, he's good really he's theater good. trained you can see that yeah. in friends in his comedy comedy style but there is a bit um in the first episode where i was like oh that's a little bit ross when he's telling someone off and it goes like this is not just any company this is easy company and it's just going, my sandwich <laughs> yeah. Udagi. yeah exactly um also, in rewatching Band of Brothers, I came to realize, and I, I've noticed this before, there are so many famous people in Band of the Brothers class of Band of before Brothers. they were famous. Yeah. And I've got it written down for you here. That's one of the delights in rewatching it. You I go, definitely have forgotten. That person all is of in these, it. Yeah. So I'm going to read for you, James. Here are some of the famous faces who are not famous. And some of them who've only been Brothers. famous, like, like properly famous, the last like six, seven years. Yeah. Like Newish. So you turn on Band of Brothers yeah. and you get Michael Fassbender. Huge. In it a lot. And wasn't famous really until no. 2009, 2008. Started. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Stephen Graham. Yeah. Mike. Yeah. Um, Andrew Scott. He has quite a significant yeah. part in the second episode. James McAvoy. Yeah. Huge. Simon Pegg. <laughs> yeah. Tom Hardy. Huge. And inexplicably for one scene, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. It's he was acting. So, he did a bit of acting in the early But 2000s. all of those actors what i find quite interesting who are like side characters within yeah. the whole band of brothers story all huge Fast, but, megastars huge now. megastars and bigger with the exception of damien lewis and ron livingston are actually bigger than the stars. predominant supporting characters within yeah, band sure. of brothers um that's what i find Fastbender is actually probably in it the most out of all of them he's just like he has a few lines but he's just also in shots he's just yeah. always there and they're always talking to him they're like christensen could you do this and he's just there yeah. oh, fast bender every time so that's another little delight to go and see i'm often reminded when uh, thinking back of the great tv shows from before the era when we started to say we're in the golden age of television yeah. look at all the great tv that's coming out and it does remind me that 
when we first like had like the Netflix boom and like the House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, or we had Breaking Bad, we were like, oh, TV's so great now. I think like I, ex- I think a lot of us expected that we would get more shows that are considered those nine out of ten, ten yeah. out of ten all time greatest shows. But I actually think what we, we still have like once or twice a year we get really top shows yeah. like Succession, yeah. you know, House of the Dragon, whatever you want to call it. But I really do think we get almost the same amount of those 10 out of 10 yeah. TV shows. What we actually now have are very low of six or seven out, I'm just using numbers, like six yeah. or seven out of 10 shows that have been hypercated to a very specific audience. Yeah. So like there's sort of very passable, put it on and it will entertain you for a bit, but it's not new or that refreshing like show echo. for, <laughs> you know, yeah. women of a certain age or this, or young boys who like yeah. this. Like, you know what I mean? All the Star Wars yeah, and the yeah. Marvel stuff. Just lots of very sort of, it'll entertain you. Yeah. Don't cancel your subscription. But the, the number of real top tier shows, I don't think really has dramatically increased. I'd say it's almost like, I, I think the, probably the number might have, but the, but the percentage, yeah. the ratio is probably still the same. I don't think the HBO probably of all of them does, but I don't think these networks have a formula to create those shows. No. Like You've Apple TV, got, considering all the money and all the shows yeah. they made, haven't yet found like the show. Also, I think lasso. the law of averages just means that you, the the more you make, the baggier the middle is. Yeah, you're just that's yeah. what you're getting. You got lots of middle shows, lots of middle, and occasionally things surprise you and break forward, and and you probably get shows that wouldn't have typically been made and all that surprise. And you sometimes, like you buy lots of tickets to the raffle, like Netflix makes Squid Game. I, I, there's no way they knew it would be that big, but no. it goes on to be that big. Great, make another one more. Yeah. So it's like it's almost like if we just keep making them, maybe one will hit. But um, but I think I think it does remind you that it's it's a golden age, but it's not. Well, I think we're past it now. We're in peak. Oh yeah, like, so, like, so, like, 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 TV. But yes. but yeah, you're right. It's not. There's yeah. definitely a pre and post from like sort of 2013. 2010. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, that was if you've seen Band of Brothers or or go on to see it following my me talking about it. Let us know. Let us know what you Hello, thought about podcast. it. <laughs> Guys, thank you for listening to this bonus episode of Pulp Kitchen. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, we post full episodes every single Wednesday. If you haven't listened to the full episode, go back and listen to that. We reviewed all of our Strangers and Society of the Snow. But other than that, we will see you next week. Thank you very much for joining us. Bye. Bye.